and welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd come down with paraphenoma if you lit a candle to the idea that you missed this week's show. Influencing Young America to Act. Derek Feldman returns to discuss the takeaways of this study revealing the causes, actions, and influences that move young Americans. On Tony's Take Two, thank you for indulging me. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. What a pleasure to welcome back after uh, probably too long, too long a hiatus, Derek Feldman. He is a sought-after speaker, researcher, and advisor for causes and companies on social movements and issue engagement. He leads the research team for Influencing Young America to Act, a study of how young adults 18 to 30 are influenced by and influence others to support social issues and movements. It's that study that brings him back to nonprofit radio. He's at Derek Feldman two R's and two N's. Well, there's two E's also, but they're not, uh, the E's are not co-located. They're, they're spread across these two names. Derek, welcome back to Nonprofit Radio. Tony, thanks so much. I appreciate that on the name. You know, the two R's and two N's can throw a lot of people, quite honestly. I don't, yes, I don't want listeners following the wrong Derek Feldman. He's whoever <laughs> he is. Uh, well, well, you would be shocked. There is another one. And my, my mom will ever, and this person actually, uh, there is a Derek Feldman that is a very well recognized medical professional in Europe, actually. And so, um, my mom every once in a while asks me if I'm into medicine. So <laughs> <laughs> she wishes all these years. Why didn't you be a doctor? Exactly. You, you like been the, the other Derek Feldman. <laughs> you could have been better than him. <laughs> exactly. My son, he could have been a doctor. All right. He chose entrepreneurship. All right. Um, congratulations on the study. I know you do this annually. Congratulations on uh, the 2021 study coming out. Yeah, absolutely. I, actually, we do this four times a year. And the one that right. we're going to be talking about today is uh, sort of a compilation and including the last one in, De- in December, which is 2021. So, yeah, yes, thank you. We're aggregate. So you do it seasonally. You've got spring, summer, fall and winter. Yes, right. we do. Actually, that was born out of the COVID times. We were we were um, we were doing a lot of quantum qual during when COVID in March 2020, and we just sort of stayed with it, to be quite honest. It changed a lot of our research uh, mm-hmm. approach. All right. So let's let's go to the study. Um, I don't know. It must be the new year or something. I'm feeling generous with guests. Usually uh, I'm very dictatorial. We're going to talk about this and then this and then that. And then I'll give you a chance. You, and then if, if there's time, what would the guests like to talk about? But uh, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe it's the new year. I don't know what. You you're immersed in this. You're the lead researcher. What's your headline for the uh, for the study? Uh, you know, I, I of course have the chance to look at across the whole year. So while there's some good stuff at the end of the year, I think the number one thing that we are seeing is, and I I, I have to unfortunately be the bad bearer of news at times around these moments 
these issues and movements that say started the pandemic have really sort of lessened a little bit in their participation and interest. And I don't say that just because of what, because of our December data, but I say that looking across from 2020, 2021 and to where we are today. And so things like social justice or racial justice, those have decreased in participation in our panels in general. And I mentioned this a lot in um, the upfront of this year's sort of compilation report, which is around moments that we have in general. And that once these moments go away, maintaining engagement still is a hard thing to do. It yeah. still is. And if you look at in, 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 in this kind of study versus all the other studies I've led in the past, we always look at the influences to one's behavior, right? So it's not just what did somebody do, but who told you what influenced you? How'd you get there as well? And it follows the cultural media, um, popular culture narratives and developments that happen in society. And I think this is really, really important for movement leaders and, and cause leaders, CEOs, and um, even brands that are working on social issues is, you know, if you're dedicated to your issue, which all of them are, you know, what are you going to do when you're not in the headlines and when you're not up front in everything else? And that's the hardest part, especially with an audience that's very digitally native, very engaged in media and so forth. So I think that that was probably, you know, one of the things that I've continued to, we've continued to track and kind of see. Um, one other, one other thing too, that we I think it's important to understand one social issue engagement in context with all the other things that they do. I see, and you know, I, I've been a researcher focusing on young people now for 15 years, and I'll see studies that talk about young adults. Oh, you've been doing this. You've been doing this work since you were 12. Practically, That's remarkable. right? That's remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when we look at these studies today, I'll often find that an organization would come to me and say, we did our own research on what young Americans want or something. And we found out that they're really interested in our programs. We found out that they're really interested in these kinds of things and so forth. And I asked them, I said, why don't you just share with me your questions? And when they share those questions with me, Tony, I see as if we're asking about social issues in a complete vacuum constantly. And the person who takes those surveys will consistently say the ideal state. We always do that. That's the ideal, right? That's the path of least resistance our, our brain goes into. And one of the things that's very apparent in our studies is that we move beyond just social issues and triangulate that with other things that are really going on. And I will say this, over the since we've started tracking things heavier and deeper, when we started this research project four or five years ago to where we are now, and even through the pandemic, there was one consistent rising issue in addition to their social issues, and that's mental health. And it has not slowed. It has increased over time, not only because our panels and our individuals who are in them are affected, but they know a lot of peers and young people who are also affected. And I, I think this is important because we all want, as leaders, everybody to do everything for us and with us in some way, shape, or form. That's the constituency side. Let's get everybody active for the issue, help our beneficiaries, and so forth. But what happens when the constituents are also challenged with many other things? And where does our issue sit in that? And I think we have to recognize the challenges, especially if you're working with younger demographics like 18 to 30-year-olds, 
the challenges that they face in addition to the desires that you want them to, to, to hopefully perform. And so we did a special call out in this one because it's just been consistently concerning and rising, not only as just being affected by it, but also one that they see should be addressed as well as a larger social issue within America. So I, I bring those two, three points to, to here because I think it's, it's a time we must recognize that as leaders as well. And we're going to talk some about the, the mental health issue, how it's, how it's evolved and, and how consistent it's been. Um, I think bearing out your, your first point about moments and, and shifts, in, shifts in interest, uh, I, I thought very interesting uh, across 2021, um, animal rights, uh, spring, summer and fall were the number one issue of interest. But then in winter, they dropped off. They weren't even one through three. And, and civil rights took the place of, of number one in the in the winter. But but also interesting in that is that, you know, all three of those are are, um, well, the, the concern for others uh, just shifted from animals to in the first three quarters to, to people in the, in the fourth quarter, right. but also civil, but civil rights was civil rights in, remained in the top three all year. It just, in the fourth quarter, it became the, 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 the number one, the number one area of interest, but civil rights was the only one that was throughout the whole year. Exactly. Exactly. Now I will say what's interesting, uh, Tony, in addition to civil rights, and we were shocked about animal. If you actually look at 2020 to now animals and animal rights, is always no matter how we random. We, by the way, we randomize the list for every person that's taking it in our panels. And we're like, there's no way animal rights is going to come out, and it surely it, it does every every single time. So I want to go back to something that we started to see. I will say probably latter part of 2020 into the into 2021, and but it's shifted a little bit further now. And that is, is that a lot of the social issues that they were being engaged with were very personal issues as well. Um, in 2020 and into 2021, we would consistently see things like wages, jobs, employment issues that they were wanting to, that where they were going with it. Health, by the way, healthcare and premiums and health in general has always been a, a, an issue of interest. And, um, and into 2021, it was kind of there, but not, it was, is. I, you're seeing the top three, but it was in the top four, five, and six. It's just kind of hovering around there. And when we see civil rights and those kinds of pieces coming in, we're always looking for where there are moments as well. And that's kind of going back to that there would be maybe heightened things that occurred in moments or that there was something in the media, there was something that in culture that was also happening. Um, but what's, what's intriguing about, say, a gun safety or a gun rights coming in there, uh, the conversations, is, is that some of those will be momentarily types pieces. When I think about it, I look at it and say, what are the things that, that young Americans are personally being affected by and how has that changed? And when I see things like healthcare still getting in there and wages and employment in the top five and six, that's an issue. When I look at things in which that they may personally, but also just social issues in general, animals, civil rights, and sort of the gun space tends to be consistent over the last couple of years. And it wavers. Now, in October, climate was in the top five. 
again, I only listed the top three. Yeah, climate was. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna ask about climate. Where, where's because where, I'm. You know, I'm. Uh, I'm seeing the top three in the in the report. Yeah. Where's 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 climate change? The climate crisis. Because yeah, the expectation would be this population is very interested in. 18, yeah, reminder. Yeah, reminder. Listen, we're talking about eighteen to thirty year olds. Exactly. <laughs> they're gonna be around long. They're gonna be around a long yeah. time. And, you know, I was at COP26, so we, and by the way, every quarter, besides our regular battery of questions that we have, we ask um, questions that are most likely going to happen or moments and things that are going to happen in that quarter. So in October, when we fielded, we focused on climate. So for anybody who's in the environmental space, make sure you look at the the, the October release of last year. So in preparation for COP26, it was remind folks what COP twenty. Uh, let us know COP twenty six. Insider, yeah, the global conference global on conference. climate. Yeah, it's technically called the conference of parties, but you can go back to what that all means in general later. But essentially, everybody got together in Glasgow to talk about the commitments that were made out of Paris, and then commitments forward and where the countries really stood. And and there's a lot of policy and a lot of other things that need to occur. So in preparation, our partners and others asked us to make that. October one focused on climate and the environment and climate and the environment throughout the year has always been in maybe what's it always in the top 10. Sometimes it'll pull in the top five, in the top five, but never in the top three. It's always five or six and so forth. The assumption is, and this is something that I talk about actually in, and I was referencing climate as well as many other issues at times that sometimes the media narrative about very active young Americans generalizes the general population's perceptions of what young Americans are really involved in, right? And so when we see that, and this is the same thing what happens in maybe high states of polarization, where you have the pro and the anti side, their you know voices become louder and louder, even though their numbers may not be as loud in general too. Because you know, we, we actually did research for um, an organization that's involved in the gun space and a funder. And one of the things they were quite shocked about is, is they didn't know things. They didn't know the individuals from March for Our Lives. And in the climate space, they didn't know Greta Thunberg either. But there's an assumption because our media kind of takes that perception that they're young people being incredible movement leaders. Therefore, they're garnering people involved. And they are. But that population tends to be those that are active already. So they're not skewing the rest of the data consistently. So what you end up having, and this is what we have in climate in ours, is we have a large swath of young people sitting in kind of this middle position, which are not necessarily incredibly overly active, but they're, they're what I would call probably more, they're climate conscious, but they're not climate active. And they're, and they're sitting there. And that's what happens on these issues when they sometimes rise to the media attention that they get is, is it doesn't necessarily equate to participation, but we perceive it is because we'll see a March rally or protest and assume that that's what all young people believe. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a bias around the moment. Always. Because yeah. it's it, now it's, now it's in our, it's in our ken. It's been brought exactly. to us. So, you know, it's an em- enormous moment, not reflecting the, the larger context over time. All right. Yeah. All right. And, and, and climate is one of those that consistently is in the top five to 10, but it, but it hasn't, even in October, it barely made it into the top. So our top five. So I, I would say that if you're getting national representative samples, really spending time, making sure that you have 
a good set subset of the American population, you're going to realize some of this stuff happens this way. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. Thought leadership. Do you or your nonprofit want to not only participate in conversations around your work, but lead them, lead the public dialogue? Wouldn't it be fulfilling to have media call you to get your opinion on breaking news? It takes time to earn that credibility, no doubt, but Turn 2 can get you started and can get you there. Thought Leadership. Turn 2 Communications. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Now back to Influencing Young America to Act. You, uh, you focus, too, on, uh, on actions that, that the uh, 18 to 30-year-old set uh, take. And I, I see signing a petition is very common. That's, a, you know, that's sort of an easy, that's a pretty light lift uh, action to take. Uh, but it, it's pretty consistently in, in uh, well, it's pretty consistently number one, at least in, 20, in 2021 it was. So, oh, yeah. so signing petition, you know, it's very likely you can get somebody to do that. We, and we have to think about this. And I, I mentioned the phrase, the path of least resistance. We have to recognize our brain is an economic system, right? It's always, I'm going to do the least to get the most in general. Oh, good. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I was to say to you, Tony, you know what? I know you care about this. I want you now to go out and volunteer 30 hours a month. Are you in? <laughs> Your brain's going to be like, well, how can I do something, but maybe not go that far? That's, that's our model of our head and how it works. I always enjoy saying, well, we want to, I hear young people want to be on boards. And I'm like, I, I, I'll, I can show you in national panels that that's not the case. You might have very active young people surrounding yourselves, clouding that perception and judgment. So that might be the case. But the vast majority are not ready to be on your boards, and nor are they asking to in general. Yeah. You see, there's the, the, the bias again. We have to be aware that you know, exactly. it's, very, it's very hard to overcome this. What we Completely. see is not representative of what's happening nationwide. It's just, it's just, it's, it, it's, in, it's in our face. Yeah, so exactly. we think, you know, we, we see a car crash and all of a sudden, we, you know, we elevate the likelihood of, of uh, ourselves being in a car crash. We see an air, we see an, a, a tragic airline disaster. And all of a sudden, you know, the risk of flying on a plane rises in our minds, but, but it, it's still uh, exponentially safer than driving a car. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's very hard to overcome the bias of, well, you, you, I don't, I forget, I have a book called Alternative Interpretations of Database Conclusions it's, it's in college, <laughs> but it's still on my rival right. hypotheses. So there's a name for this, but it's like consciousness bias or something. What exactly? That, is that what it is? Okay. Okay. Well, I, and Tony, here's the interesting thing because um, I'm often invited to speak, you know, you know, I'll go to a board or some, you know, big organization, big brand. It's in your, it's in your bio. You're sought after. Yeah. <laughs> And it must be true. It, it is. It is. And and what's interesting about that is I'll often get the um, I know all young people. And I'm like, oh, even that, <laughs> starting out, starting out. I, I can't I'm even like, agree with your premise, let alone your yeah. question. And you're always going to hear me say, according to our sample, according to because even our, we have a representative samples constantly. You know, we're fielding literally in this moment, Tony, it's supposed to end in about 15 to 20 minutes after we get off the call. Like, I'm going to look at that. And my team will, too, and be like, here's what this sample is reporting as well. 
And I think when you look at our actions, because I want to get back to this, because this is very key, especially for organizations that desire, say, funds, they desire heavier volunteerism, high expectation in roles from young people. They are interested in those. There is no doubt. And so is the American public. Everybody is, right? Our empathetic desire that's coded within our brains, too, is saying, hey, you should, that's a good, you should be doing that uh, as well. But we don't start there. We usually ease into it after we overcome the path of least resistance. And I talk about this a lot in both my book and some other stuff that we've done, which is that the first part of engagement is historically the path of least resistance, where the brain says, you should stand up for this or do something because it's wrong, right? It conflicts with values and beliefs. Signing a petition is that way, right? It's telling the brain is saying, at least you put your name to something, you can at least be honored in that way, right? Then the second part of that really kind of comes down to that you see others who believe like you and are a part of it. And that is where peer engagement is very, very key it, because they don't create relationships with the organization. They create, organiz they create relationships with the others and people around in the community, the movements, the constituency, and so forth. Once we get some past some of that, then we start to get into heavier and deeper engagement and so on. But organizations really love to circumvent all of that and go right to the front. And for some reason, and this is sort of my little uh, um, challenge to those that have an opinion around small passive acts, because signing a petition yeah, to the, uh, the, uh, the collectivism argument. Right. And I have heard every argument about it. And I always, when I'm sitting there listening contently about it, I often say to them, it may not mean anything to you, but it means a whole hell of a lot to the person doing it. And it is a step in many steps to get involved. You should take that as an invitation to do more and, and not expect that people have to be a donor immediately in order to be relevant within the organization because they don't view it that way. They think any action I do for you, you, t you value it and you believe it's important and you're inclusive with it. And that is super key that we have to reinforce. Yeah, that's very good. Looking at it from, from the perspective of the person who took the action that was requested. Look, you asked me to do something and I did it. You know, <laughs> I'm committed, I'm committed. You know, exactly. In, in, exactly in their mind, I'm committed to the cause. Now, all right, now, if you wanna convert that into volunteer time, or come to come to a, a march or donate, you know, oh, th that they, those things are possible. But in the person's mind, they're they've 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 taken a commit they've made a commitment to the organization, and okay. and now it's up to the organization if you want to try to leverage that beyond you know beyond what some consider uh, uh, an insignificant act. And that's the hard part, right, Tony? That's the hard part of digital marketers. And, uh, engagement and constituency managers who have to, and sometimes I find haven't done the hard work to take somebody who raises their hand and says, yeah, I, I align with you. Petitions are alignment, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it allows you to pick somebody out of a crowd and say, these people align with the belief that we shared. So it's our job now to develop the journey, go through it and so forth. But I find we spend so much energy in the intrigue awareness phase of many campaign efforts that we've for it's like, oh, you know, that's the win. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That was just successful to get to the win, which will be later. That was the moment, the milestone. I see a lot of interest in uh, I'm I'm not I don't think I'm using the 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 uh, 
the caption that you use, the type, but I see a lot of interest in human rights, mm -hmm. you know, Black Lives Matter, um, a, a woman's choice, um, uh, housing, mental health, me mental health. This is sort of transitioning into what, you know, we, you talked about at the outset. Um, I see a lot of interest in human rights and, and I consider mental health and uh, treatment for mental health, of course, you know, a basic human right. So I see a lot of interest there. I was going to say sympathy, but, you know, I, you, you're a researcher, so you might not like the word sympathy. But I see a lot of interest in basic human rights. Throughout. And I will say that if you pick up any of our reports, you're not going to be shocked by seeing any of that. It's consistent. And it's not just with this year or others. And what's interesting, too, is that our social issues become our political issues and our political issues become our social issues consistently. And it's not just in this year, it's throughout, right? If you were to look at, and in the report, we talk about what do you think needs to be in the Biden plan that he proposed, which is the build back better, mm -hmm. or what was, we even asked what's missing or what was necessary. And the things you mentioned are always kind of, not, not just in this, I mean, that was a one set question that we asked in the fall, but we're always asking the question, what do you think the country needs to focus on? And they tend to be the same social issues and political issues around the human rights, the condition in which that the person is in, right? Mental health, affordability, employment and wages, because these are the things that they see themselves or they see their peers also challenged with in general. Um, and we have to remember the 18 to 24 year old Right. This will be your older Gen Z um, and versus your 25 to 30 year old, which is in our sample. So we got both young millennials and older Gen Zers in here. Mm -hmm. Right. If you look at wage, you look at all the other challenges that they're dealing with in the formative years, which includes now having for those 25 to 30 year olds now having to pay for health care or hopefully getting it subsidized through companies for the 18 to 24 year olds. Jobs, wages, employment, college. Yeah, these, these folks graduated in the pandemic. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, this is one of those where I'm often saying we have to understand the contextual, social, cultural, economical and political setting in which the person is taking this questions, these questions from us, because social issues don't live in the vacuum and they become our issues. They become our politics. They become our values and our beliefs. And so you're going to see that thread consistently. And someone said to me, I love, you know, we, we share this with them. I'd love to see all the social issues. I'm like, I got everything in there from medical research to healthcare to you name it. Because if, if we say, well, no, that's a political issue. I'll say, but you're not looking at it from their perspective. In their perspective, they see these as issues affecting them. And there are places that they can go to to address it. Let's dive in a little more to the to your mental health findings. Um, you know, you said at the outset it, it's because people have experienced their own incident of depression or, or right. you know, some other mental health issue, or uh, experienced it personally, or they know someone who has. And is it is it like uh, is it one out of ten is has been personally affected or knows someone? Yeah, fifty six actually. Ten percent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it's substantive. And this, again, was Wait, what's 50? I'm sorry, do I... 50, 56 had personally been affected or know someone who is affected. Oh, 56%. Yeah. Oh, so it's over half. I, I, I was, yeah. right, I was uh, confusing. One okay. in two. 
Okay. Um, okay. But here's here is the thing that, uh, as I mentioned at the upfront, and I'll reinforce here, which is that this has this has been growing, and it's been consistently growing because this is not the first. We are just now calling in a special section at the end of this year because we 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 are looking as the researchers back pre-pandemic. I mean, we started our studies five years ago. And now we're in our fourth or fifth, fourth, four year, I'm sorry, four years, we published four years ago, we started five, kind of takes a little bit of time. Right. And then, um, you know, where we are now. And it's, it's just continuing to go up in general. And I think this is something that we have to recognize. And what I also find interesting, because this is the first time that we asked, what do you think? Because this, we sometimes never ask the people who are being affected what they think the solution should be in general, right? So we ask them, like, what are the top solutions? And you see here, one of the top one, if you remember earlier, Tony, we talked about what were one of the issues, healthcare premiums. One of the key things that they said 46% of them, of our sample overall, ensuring adequate mental health insurance coverage and treatment options for the uninsured and underinsured. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is that goes to tell you something about a group, a, a cohort of, the, of a generation in the middle of a pandemic, you know, going through this. And I think that that's really key for our leaders to understand. And then right behind that, at 45 percent, requiring insurance companies to cover drug and alcohol addiction treatment. Exactly. So Correlate that to the fact that health and care, health care premiums were a major issue concern. Yeah. So this, this is a very compassionate group. And and has been for years, as you you, you know. You I, I like that. I, I appreciate you bringing in the, the the larger perspective beyond you know the year that I'm looking at. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a this is a uh, these are these are tender, compassionate folks. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I, you know, <laughs> it's very uplifting to me at at 60 years old. It's very uplifting. <laughs> I think that every generation is obviously going through their unique cultural, social, political moments in which shape their values, right? And beliefs and what's happening. This generation is, you know, our younger Gen Z, our oldest Gen Zs, our 18 to 24 year olds are getting out of high school in the middle of a pandemic, going into college, you know, having these kinds of experiences that we've all had over the last two to three years. I think that what you are seeing here, especially in the 2021 compilation here, is that there there's some struggles and they want they want to help others because they're personally affected by a lot of this stuff. And I think that if you look at this and say, well, I don't see things like other nonprofits are working on, it's because this is the situation they're in. And that shapes one's perception of what needs to be helped because they're the ones also in the same camp of ones that need help in general. I'd also make another kind of comment around the compassion piece is that, you know, when we did the 10 years of the Millennial Impact Project with the Case Foundation that I led that research for, we would consistently see patterns like this too. But what was interesting in that one, although we didn't ask things around mental health, although it would have been very nice now looking back, you know, as a researcher, like, boy, it wouldn't have been great if we would have tracked that for 10 years. But we always tracked actions, participation, issues, and so forth. And the issues have always been somewhat similar, somewhat. There's some differences. Social justice versus civil rights were, were, were often in that sort of top three and so forth. But what hasn't changed is sort of this desire to help their fellow peer because of them going through a situation. Like, I remember there were two to three years, the Millennial Impact Project. This is probably a study like six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, where it was debt, 
getting a job and employment because they're trying to come out. If you look at it, you know, millennials are trying to, we just have retirement issues. We have a big boomer generation that still hadn't retired. So you get forces that challenge employment. And then you have millennials who are the, one of the largest generations coming out of university, you know, underemployment and then unemployment as well, right? So these things affect one's social issues. And I don't think that we're, we it's kind of to our point throughout this conversation is, is that when you look at the perspective the person's going through, it's not surprising to be seeing them say, I, I want that person to have either what I have a little bit of or what I'm being affected by too. Very uplifting. It's time for Tony's Take Two. Oh, thank you for indulging me. Over the past several weeks, I've been promoting my Planned Giving Accelerator class. The class starts this week. Uh, all is well with the class. Very fulfilling. And next week, I'll start promoting the next class uh, through July. No, uh, that's not true. So, but thanks for listening to Planned Giving Accelerator commentary by me. Um, I love doing the accelerator. I like seeing big, robust classes, and that's why I promote it so much. Uh, I want there to be a lot of peer learning, which there always has been, and there will be in this class too. So, so thank you for, uh, for that indulgence. That's all. And that is Tony's Take Two. We've got Buku but loads more time for influencing young America to act with Derek Feldman. I got to ask about, um, I'm going to caption it, preserving democracy. Does that, does that appear? It, it's, it's, not in the, it's not in the top three that, that this report talks about, but is there, is there that, uh, and I'm, I'm aware of your uh, admonition, you know, not a political issue, it's a, it's a larger, there's a larger context to, to it, but does something like that uh, appear as an, as an interest? The concern about political polarization, democracy. It's, it, it didn't hit in the top. Um, I will say that we, uh, in the fall of last year, if, if anybody was to take a look at our reports at the beginning, all the way up until the election, um, or our report, because we we had we were asking questions around voting, democracy, participation, civic mm-hmm. and so forth. There's some stuff in there, but it was isolated a little bit. But when when it's in when it's in the rest, like democracy, voting and other issues, the large battery to select from it's it hasn't been in the top. It hasn't. Yeah. All right. All right. I know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not, well, I'm a little disappointed, but I'll, I'll be all right. You know, it's, it's still the compassionate. I, I dubbed them, uh, my, I was taking my notes at the compassionate cohort. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm still, I'm still largely, I'm that's okay. You're still okay with them. Those are the older, yeah. The old, the, the older set will, uh, we'll, we'll working at it too. Um, all right. I don't like to go too far into politics. I just, I had to get my own uh, personal question. So sure. what about, what, what can we say for for nonprofits that work in spaces that you and I haven't even talked about? Uh, suppose they work for a medical cause. Um, anything that we haven't, you know, we haven't we haven't touched on. Do, the, you, I, I presume your advice is don't surrender eighteen to thirty year olds. It's just <laughs> that you're not among their top three or five uh, issues. But don't surrender the cohort or or 
what, what is your advice? I don't want to put, I'm putting yeah. words in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, I, I had somebody, I was thinking, this is pre-pandemic, big conference speaking engagement. And somebody raised their hand and said, you know, I work for a cancer support organization. And basically you're saying I'm, th- I'm done. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah. I, I, you know, we have to recognize that this is the formative years that somebody is going through. And what I always say to people too, is when I think about an 18 to 30 year old in their social issues is, is that it's, it's like going into a big, large space with so many options to choose from. And they're so well in tune to, to get to any of those options and they'll participate here and there and so forth. But what you see here is sort of the underlying interest in general. Those things change. And by the way, we know this from our research, both Millennial Impact Project and now those things change when someone is responsible at work for other people, meaning they're in management. Those things change when we have spouses and partners and families and people that we have to support. Those things change when we make more money and advance in careers. And those things also change the more educated we are in general. And so what we see right now is the interest that underlying a lot of this participation with both of those cohorts that I talked about, but it, but it changes. It changes over time. And as we, what we do know, even when you look at, say, a boomer or a greater generation, greatest generation or others, is, is that it starts to narrow over time, right? It's not so big in general, the participation. But what I would say is, is that, that, you know, I look at the mental health space and I know that there are a lot of organizations that address and touch on mental health. Like There's youth empowerment and youth organizations that do address mental health uh, in general. And I also know from the guns issue that they, the gun rights issues and, you know, gun safety, they work in the mental health space at times too. And for those that are wanting to attract and engage an audience, I always say too, is that to what end? Is it just because, and this is what happens with those that might be infatuated with trying to get younger demographics because they see a data point like, you know, everybody is retiring and the transfer of what, like all this stuff that's in the, in, in the data point section of, say, a, 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 an article about older people and where the money is going to go and so forth. And I say to them, well, before you focus on an 18 to 30 year old, do you have a, how effective are you with a 30 to 40 year old? How effective are you with the 40 to 50 year old? And what I find is, is that we're always looking for the silver bullet to engage young people. But I, before that, every organization has to figure out if their engagement model really works and people are really engaged regardless of age. And then you have a second thing to look at that and say, okay, if this is the case and we know they're participatory, they're taking actions, they're doing digital actions, doing somewhat of passive activism and in some other ways they're getting deeper involved in things, we probably have roles for those kinds of people within our community. And so let's create those. And we may focus one or two times throughout the year to target that audience to help us out, but I'm not going to make it about them. I'm going to connect them to our larger thing. You know, for example, if I'm an organization that wants to get attention for something that we're doing with our beneficiaries, with our donors that come together, you know, make it around a policy or an activism style piece and get that organ, get that population to engage with many other generations on it. It's when we start to create siloed pieces that we get ourselves a little bit in trouble or we're like, we've got this young person thing over here where I'm like, well, 
you know, no one looks, they're not going to say I'm doing this because I'm the young person. They're doing it because they believe. And regardless if you're 18 or 80, you can still do and believe in the same thing and perform the same actions. Thank you. Okay. So it's an encouragement and, but don't be, you know, don't be chasing data points. I don't. Yeah. I mean, don't have, don't have board meetings. Look, you know, there's research that says 18 to 30 year olds are interested in, in, a piece of what we do, you know, let's create a program. Yeah. Stay, stay true to where you are. Look for points oh, of overlap. Of course. And there's some great consultants out there that love to pick up on this thing. Like they'll probably look at my report, which I know who they are. They'll look at the report <laughs> and say, look, we're prom- he's promoting young engagement. Actually, that's not the case. I am promoting that we engage people as I, you should be engaging anybody anybody. And you need to master that before you start niching segments. Because it would be the same thing to say if I read a report and said, you know, 50 to 60 year old people from this state are going to give more. You wouldn't say in a board meeting, let's create a strategy to go get that. No, no, no. Like, what is our overarching plan? And how do how does anybody fit into that in general? Yes. That, yeah. Stay, stay true to your mission. Always take a breath, your, your mission, your values, you know, center those. Yeah. There may yeah. be some, there may be some things you can learn here, but you know, let's not right. pivot based on, uh, on uh, the uh, influencing young America to act uh, study. All right. No, but you should say is, you know what, we've got an upcoming event, our campaign efforts. How do we create it in a way that also invites them in to be participatory? That's different than saying we're doing it for them. Oh, to say, yeah. and that's that's where we got it. Well, that's the strategic thinking that we need back in place. I mean, I work with brands in America that you all that you know that are youth consumer brands. That this is their target. Like they are squarely in this space. They they have to. I also work with large nonprofits or global nonprofits that this is also their target audience. They don't do work outside of this. They focus on the formative years, you know. And I'm like, got it. But for those that are very big, that have all generations, that they are, they're not to appeal to one or the other. I mean, who's going to say, I appreciate, I, I don't want your money versus this money. You know, you desire to get any dollar that kind of comes in as well. Let's, uh, let's leave folks. Well, first, we got to say, where do you get, uh, where do people get the Influencing Young America to Act study? Yeah, you can see all this report that you're talking about, which is the culmination piece from 2021, as well as all of the last four years at causeandsocialinfluence.com and .org. Either one, they'll bring you there. Cause and social influence. You got .com or causeandsocialinfluence.org. Either way, that'll work out. You'll get there okay. either way. Okay. Cause and social influence. All right. Yeah. Uh, Derek, what, um, that was pretty inspirational. You know, I'd like to end on a, on a upbeat note. Thank you. But, uh, is there anything we we haven't talked about that you'd like to you'd like to mention? Uh, um, I would say one thing, and we touched on it a little bit, and this is something that we are spending a lot. Oh, of time I'm sorry, on. we're out of time. No. Oh shoot! <laughs> All right, Tony, we'll see it. <laughs> um, I set you up. Was, Go ahead, please. That was pretty good. Um, and that is, uh, and this kind of goes to the bubble that sometimes we live in in general, and especially when it comes to the spaces of like, who's engaged with us, who isn't, who's involved and so on. And the word engagement is so fluid. Uh, everybody has to define it for themselves. But, and, and I wrote a recent article about this, is that 
a lot of people, young Americans, all Americans, um, are kind of sit in this place where they need nudging. They need nudges. They need that, that piece to get them involved in something. And they're also not sitting there attending rallies that we think they are, going to every protest, you know, doing all of these kinds of things that sometimes we perceive them to be. That, that if you look at it at the end of the day, we have empathetic, compassionate, interested people in the social issues that personally affect them and the people around them. The real question becomes is, how do we get past those that make the loudest noise and participate the most to get to the people that are sitting a little bit outside on the sidelines waiting for that right moment and that right nudge? And that's where you should be spending your time creating the campaigns and the efforts. And we have been specifically looking at, you know, and, and even we're, we're talking about in the, in the next year to two, next year, this year, to um, start to exclude those that are overly active. They skew the way we think about data as well. I, I, you know, we'll report on them, but say, you know, those that are performing tons of actions a month is your Uber involved person. And once you throw that in there, just like you wouldn't throw in the $100 million donor on your analysis of all the people that gave zero to 100, it's going to skew things the way we look at it in general. And so you have to do and be incredibly diligent to take out those that are overly involved and really center where you're trying to go to. And you're going to find that those people are, are want to be informed. They really don't know you. They probably have never heard about you and are looking for that moment and that nudge to probably do something. That's different than what those people who are surrounding you tell you. Terrific. Good, in, great insights. Thank you. Based yeah, on totally all, thank you. All, all, all I'm glad we were able to do this. I am too. Thank you. Thank you for terrific ideas. Derek Feldman. Uh, he's at Derek Feldman. Remember, two R's, two N's. Thank you very much, Derek. Absolutely. Take care, Tony. Absolutely. I will. Thank you. Next week, uh, we don't have any more Derek's. We had two Derek's in a row. No more Derek's. But how about Amy Sample Ward visits to talk about the 2022 Nonprofit Technology Conference, which is coming up in March. Amy Sample Ward visits. Visit sounds like Mr. Rogers. I'm to, who writes this copy? I, I, I need an intern so I can blame for this visit copy. It's there. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. I do, need an, uh, I do need an intern to blame. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission, turn-2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>